When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fence side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Brian Cat NFL on Twitter, and Paul is fanatic underscore pick. We are 11 weeks away from the NFL draft, two weeks away from the combine. Not much should change for us when looking at the NFL draft's quarterbacks. It's the position... That's on everybody's mind. It's been on everybody's mind for really over a year now. And, you know, that's where we're starting before the combine even begins. The current situation now, all indications are Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to come back for the 2020 season. You can bet that Chan Gailey and his presence here is going to influence that a little bit as if Fitzpatrick needed any more influence. Josh Rosen, even though he's not a great fit in this offense, because of his feet and his lack of mobility, is slated to be the backup as the Dolphins continue to try to see if they have anything at that spot. But, Paul, before we get into the NFL draft prospects, free agency obviously is going to come first. And we've got a, a pretty beefy list of these quarterbacks. I don't think the Dolphins go the free agent route. You don't think they do either. But the players that we're looking at here at the beginning and what the whole league will be looking at You've got Dak Prescott from the Cowboys, Drew Brees from the Saints. Those are really the two big names. Uh, the third big name is Jameis Winston from the Bucks. You've got Tom Brady, who has, I don't get it, but has been linked to a lot of rumors with the Dolphins. Phillip Rivers from the Chargers, Teddy Bridgewater from the Saints, Marcus Mariota from the Titans, and of course, Ryan Tannehill from the Titans as well. So I, I two questions for you. Number one, Dak Prescott, he's not supposed to be available. The Cowboys are likely going to resign him or slap him with the franchise tag. Number Question number one, if the Dolphins, if somehow Prescott hits the free agent market, I don't think he will. You don't think he will either. But would it be attractive for you to throw $35 million at Dak Prescott and spend all of the Dolphins draft picks on defense and offensive line? No, in, in, in a word, it's, I can see where the temptation would be there for folks. I don't believe in Prescott as a $35 million quarterback. If Dallas wants to, great. I just don't have that in me. I mean, I've, I've seen moments where when the running game's not there, he dries up. And I just, I want the answer at quarterback. And I think, you know, we're talking about free agency here a little bit before we really dive into the meat of what we want to get to. 
I don't want anybody that's going to not be the long-term answer. We have a fun, great bridge quarterback that really fit well with the team and mesh well with the team until we get that answer at quarterback for the long term. And I don't want to mess with that formula right now. And for me, I don't see Dak as the long term. So I, I, I can't throw $35 million at a guy I don't see as the long-term answer. Yeah, I, I don't have to say anything more. I, I agree with you there. Um, it's attractive when Prescott is making under a million dollars a year. He's a former fourth-round pick. And, again, he's likely going to go back to the Dallas Cowboys. What about the rest of the list? I've heard a lot of Dolphins fans that want Tom Brady. I've heard his name get linked over and over again. When it's a quarterback that – Going into week 17, if, if our listeners go back and listen to our, our, our lead-up to the show, one of the things that I, I know I said was the way you beat the Patriots right now is to make Tom Brady throw the ball. He's a 42-year-old quarterback. We're not talking about who Tom Brady used to be. We're talking about who he is now. He didn't have the best receiving core, but he missed a lot of open receivers. He's not the quarterback he used to be, and he's not the long-term answer at 42 years old. I don't want Brady. I don't want to give Brady the big old payday that he that he's going to get from someone. Uh, he is not an answer for me. For me as well, this is not going to be a popular opinion, and it's not something I foresee happening. I would consider reuniting with Tannehill, no matter what anybody says out there. He seems to have finally taken that step that we've we've wanted, and you know. A lot of folks will point to, well, he had Derrick Henry. You know what? Marcus Mariota had Derrick Henry, too. And Tannehill came in and turned that team around. And for me, that's worth kicking the tires on because if he has to turn that corner, he he can be functional for another 10 years. But I just don't see that reunion happening. Well, I don't either. And I'll go a step further with Tannehill that if if you had him here for seven years, and you traded him in a fourth rounder, or him in a sixth rounder for a fourth rounder. Um, and then after that, if you, you, so you made that trade, and then you paid $18 million uh, to get him out of the building. If Chris Greer turns around and walks back into Steve Ross's office and says, we need to consider Ryan Tannehill, he should be fired by the time he leaves that office. I wouldn't go that far. Um to me, you can look at you. You can take those same facts and you can spin it in either direction. You basically took Tannehill, set him off to the Titans, got there on a year that you're not going to do anything anyway. You got a fourth round pick for this year, right? And on top of that, you re-sign a, a fixed version of Tannehill. So now you've got Tannehill and that fourth rounder. For me, it's just like if. Laramie Tunsil can't come to a long-term agreement with, with the Houston Texans and he becomes a free agent at the end of, of his contract. No brainer. I'd absolutely bring him back. And yeah, you rented him out for two years to get, you know, the two first and a second. And then you get, you get the player back as well. It's, it's to me, it's, you can spin that in such a way that I, I wouldn't say fire him. You, you got a couple of draft picks for renting a guy oh, out I would. While, you, while you rebuilt your team. I, I look, look, I, Bringing Ryan Tannehill back for an, for a seventh, eighth, and ninth year at thirty million a year, everyone in the building is fired because that means <laughs> it's a level of incompetence I can't talk about. Paul, if if that happens, you can ha- you can have this show. 
I'm done. If that <laughs> Same goes for Kenny. No, you're Drake. not. Because if 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 you if you can't if you say, oh well, you know that guy we had here for seven years, let's bring him back at thirty million a year. I I can't do it. Again, you can have the show if that happens. Um, no, moving. you're staying. Sorry. Yeah, no, I won't. I, I I won't do it for that. I I stay through a lot, but it, that that would be a. I mean, I, again, I don't even know why why we went down this road. It's not going to happen. But uh, best of luck to Ryan Tannehill. And and it, it's in Chris Mortensen's words, there's no way in hell that he's leaving Tennessee. And I think that's no. That's that's what's going to happen here. So, um, let's take a look here at the NFL draft uh, starting out. So, obviously. Uh, we know what what you want as far as the draft is concerned, and it's actually what I would want too at, at a reasonable price. I just don't think it's going to be a reasonable price. So, uh, uh, all indications, you look at every mock draft. Every mock draft is going to have Joe Burrow go number one, and it looks like at this point something bad has to happen from Joe Burrow's camp, or just blatantly pull an Eli Manning and say I'm not going to go to Cincinnati. So, uh, r- right now, I guess my question to you would be. For the what would be your cap out point where you said no, I don't want the Dolphins to go from five to one for for Joe Burrow. I'm going to preface this uh, before I, I give that answer. Miami has a ridiculous amount of draft picks, and they need a lot of draft picks this year and next year to rebuild this roster in the way that they want to do. A lot of Miami's positions of need can really truly be answered whether they make a trade or not to move up from the third round on because safety you can get some dynamic prospects really all peppered throughout the safety position is so deep this year you want a running back you can answer those positions later on some of the o-line positions i expect to be answered in free agency some of the positions they can answer in the mid to late rounds of the draft with either potential long-term prospects, which Miami still is in long-term mode at this moment, or there's a couple of guys that are intriguing that could step in right away, and you've got the draft picks to double down on on, on two of those, even if you give up a little bit. So for me, I, I would steal across this year's draft and next year's draft. My absolute tap-out point, and, and I'll be I'll be very clear with this, the maximum I would give up to go up and get that guy that's going to be your quarterback for the next 15 to 20 years is I'd give up, and Miami has five first rounds over the next two years, and I believe it's four second rounders. So when I say this, don't think I'm crazy. I'd give up three firsts and two seconds without batting an eye. But then beyond that, I'd have to piss and moan a little bit before I, I gave gave a good answer on it. Um, he just is that good and has shown durability and has shown the ability. People want to piss about it being a one-year wonder. I can say this without it being a one-year wonder thing. You know this. Any of our long-term listeners know this. I've been talking about Joe Burrow since before he was a one-year wonder. I was saying I wanted to pass on a healthy Tua in round one to pick up Joe Burrow later in the draft before the season. So this is when Joe Burrow was a projected fifth or sixth round nobody to a lot of folks. He is a guy that I really, really love his game. I love his poise. I love his leadership. 
and I love the prospect of him at the next level. Yeah, uh, if if that were the trade, three firsts and so are you talking about three firsts and two seconds? And is the fifth pick included in that? Yes. Okay. So you're talking about for the swap, two firsts and two seconds. Got it. Got it. That would be a hefty price and one of the biggest price tags in NFL history for to move up for a few for uh, a few spots. But I think you're right. That's what it would take to get it done. And I've got to say, I don't even think the Bengals would accept it at that point because again, we're talking about somebody who's not just a projected number one overall pick at quarterback, but coming off arguably the best college football season of all time: sixty touchdowns, six interceptions, and if you're the Bengals and you've got somebody, a kid that's born and raised just a few hours from Cincinnati and your quarterback going into next year is Ryan Finley. And, and I, looking back over the last 25 years of, 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 of looking at the draft, other than Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning, I don't see somebody that revered uh, as, as the number one overall pick. Uh, also too, PFF with Joe Burrow has him, as their number one quarterback by far since they've been scouting um, since back in, in 2014, an adjusted completion percentage of over 5% better than Baker Mayfield, who is their second best quarterback in that time frame. So special player that you're talking about here. Well, not only that, I mean, I, it's, I, I retweeted out, somebody actually did the splits between the first and second half of games when LSU had such a massive lead that they let so far off the gas in second half of games. And they did his projected numbers over the course of a season if LSU didn't let off the gas. And we're not talking about against mom-and-pop colleges. We're not talking about, you know, sleepaway camp schools here that he went up against. He went up against some of the best defenses in the country. His numbers when under pressure were so much better than anybody else in college football this year or or for a while now his adjusted stats would have basically just looked like the ones in a video game where the stats just stop adding up and they stop at all nines it's it's utterly insane what this man would have put up if they didn't let off the gas and yeah i i keep hearing people do the bit about you know he grew up in ohio big deal i grew up in new england and guess what i'm a dolphins fan Burrow grew up, he was a Saints fan growing up. So, you know, it, it's you, you can put the hometown team out there, but he's also put out there, he wants to go to a winning organization, which makes Carson Palmer the absolute best friend any Dolphins fan could ever ask for because Carson Palmer has taken, for some reason, the, the under his wing the, the, the need to just – utterly destroy the Bengals franchise and why he left the Bengals and the fact that they didn't appear committed to winning. They want to build through the draft, not add free agents. And you know what? The Bengals don't have any additional draft picks this year. They have their seven initial draft picks that they started with, and that is all. And they have just as many needs as Miami does, and they don't have the tools to build that team around Joe Burrow this year. So I could very well see a possibility where he goes, you know what, that, this is not a – Carson Palmer's right. Look at this. They're not trying to do anything right now. So, well, I, I mean, 
I see. I don't understand where this comes from, though, because just in this decade, from 2011 to 2015, the Bengals made the playoffs five years in a row. I mean, we're we're not talking Mm -hmm. about 20 years ago. We're talking about five years ago. I mean, and as as far as as supporting cast around him, he's going to have he would have Joe Mixon at running back. He would have Tyler Board at wide receiver. They're probably going to franchise tag AJ Green. You're going to bring him back on the offensive line on both uh, at both tackle spots. You're going to have Cordy Glenn and Jonah Williams. Cordy Glenn may get cut where Jonah Williams would kick over to the left side. I think that's significantly more talent than the Dolphins have on offense. It is, but they need a lot more on defense. And you know what? I wouldn't even say it's significantly more than the Dolphins have. It's just talent in other areas. Yes, Miami needs to rebuild the offensive line. We're all anticipating some of that in free agency here. Miami has a wide receiver core that basically has us looking at the draft going, well, you know, if the right guy is there that could be an upgrade, great. Miami needs to add some talent to the running back stable. Let's see what free agency brings. And if not, I anticipate them at least doubling down in the draft. But And you look at Mike Gesicki at tight end, who's an amazing safety valve for a young quarterback to just be able to throw jump balls to. So, you know, he's got A.J. Green, who's going to be there for portions of the next year, maybe two at this point. I mean, he, he spends more time standing on the sideline in street clothes at this point than he does playing on the field. Um, so, yeah, Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon are great, but the Bengals are a team that just seems lost. And, yeah, they made the franchise, the playoffs a few times there, but they've never seemed like a team that's taking the next step. And when a former quarterback says he basically left because they just didn't seem to be willing to take that next step to, to – to go where they need to go. Yeah, I mean, uh, so I mean, we can debate this all day. Well, I mean, I, Zach, I just, Zach, they hired Zach Taylor, who is terribly underqualified, and you've got a owner in Mike Brown who held on to Marvin Lewis for about five years too long. Um, as far as the talent around him, I actually I think it's better than the Dolphins at this point, but that should change because uh, the Dolphins have a lot of draft picks and they have, they have a lot more, more money to be working with. But yeah, Joe Burrow for me, I, I would be fine with the price tag. You said of two first, eh, well, that that would definitely be my tap out point. Maybe even pull back another one of those draft picks uh, because it, it's just, it's so much. And you're going to, you I would, I would comfortably give up a first rounder this year and a first rounder next year for the swap any more than that. Then I, I, I don't know. It, it would it would be tough for me, but I, I would respect that the Dolphins went up and got their quarterback. So yeah, Joe Burrow. Right as of right now, and where it stands, um, Burrow has said publicly that I, I will go to any team that's willing to pay me. And so the Bengals have that number one pick, and and it would be very very surprising if he were not that pick when it's all said and done. So we'll keep our eyes open for that. But also, Paul. Too another area that we have differing opinions on, I guess we can say, but is uh, is Tua. And I guess my question to you is: is if Tua were healthy, hundred percent, no, he didn't get any injuries over the past two years. Um, 
and he played the rest of the 2019 season at the same level he played his entire college career. Where would he be on your big board? On my big board? He'd probably be third overall on my overall big board, uh, just a smidge ahead of Jeff Okuda. Got it. Fair, fair, fair on that. I think he would be instead of third now, he'd probably be second ahead of Chase Young, only because he's a quarterback. Yeah, but th- that that's because you've said all along too that really it is it is the injury that has him at twenty third on your Dolphins draft board right now. But yeah, I mean, you and I have never been two people who have been like, oh my gosh, Tua is a talent that is worth for lack of a better word, because we don't believe in this term, but tanking a season four. And, yeah. you know, if, if this were a talent like, like Andrew Luck in 2012, like Peyton Manning, and maybe even like Joe Burrow, the Dolphins, in our opinion, still would never tank, and they didn't, and they didn't try to, as we saw, and we've been telling people. But um, I, I still would not have had him as, as, a, uh, as an otherworldly type of, type of prospect. Look, he has a fine arm his his arm is fine but if that arm were an a plus instead of a b plus or he had michael vick speed instead of healthy to a speed then i think we might be talking about a different type of talent i mean he sees things differently he's special in that regard but y- you factor in the injury and, and and it does take him down down another peg and for me, it's not just the injury; it's the injuries. This this is the latest one. It's I, I have long term durability questions when it comes to to Tua. He is at the point in his life where he has the best durability he is ever going to have. Anybody that's hit thirty, forty years old knows how much you start feeling every little bit of not just the injuries that take a little bit longer to recover from, but also some of those old injuries you have from playing sports, some of those old injuries you have from doing anything. He's 22. And he's 22. And, you know, he's had both ankles. He's had the the tightrope surgery. He had a knee thing. He had a thigh thing, you know, and, uh, you know, one of the big draws of Tua is his mobility, not his overall speed but he's got the mobility to move around i don't want a quarterback that at 25 years old is wearing merino level leg braces yeah he, you know if he gets to his 30s sure but get a little experience first don't i don't want a quarterback that's going to be on the sidelines a la aj green well it's important that we also lay out to that um of where Tua is injury-wise, and kind of in, in simple terms, where 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 he is now. And this is not a, a point. To, this is not. We're not laying this out to say he's not injury-prone. But I watched a couple of videos and, and did a lot of research here on on really Tua's injury and where he is. Uh, Chris Rayner and Brian Sutter, and you can look up these videos on YouTube, really explained the injury. And and to go through it quickly. After Tua got hurt on the field, the first six hours are the most important because you got to get that hip back in, and they did a fantastic job of that in, in far less than six hours. If with the hip in as quickly as they did, 
as long as everything goes to plan, the odds of them having something called AVN, which basically restricts the blood flow that's going to cause degenerative hip injury, is less than 10%. But that's not to say he's not injury prone, because he's he's also going – his style of play is one where he's going to stand in the pocket a little bit longer than some of the other quarterbacks who've come in the league that are six foot one, 215 pounds. So part of his game is going to have to be avoiding that type of pressure with his eyes and with his legs. And I, I don't think he can do it in the same way Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson and some of these other mobile quarterbacks have done it. I'm with you, and and for me, we have to remember that this is a ball joint, and the more common example that a lot of folks will be familiar with is your shoulder's a ball joint as well, and anybody you know that's dislocated a shoulder, right? Forget all the other aspects of this injury. Once you have dislocated your shoulder, there's always a higher likelihood and higher percentage that you're going to do it again. And it's a ball joint. It's the same thing with a hip. Even if he doesn't have a long-term degenerative issue with his leg from this, it's still a ball joint. It's still more likely to get dislocated in the future because it has happened already. And for that fact, from a position that's going to take hits in the legs, I, I, I I struggle with the thought of burning a top 10 pick to go and get this guy. And I think that's what it's going to take to get two on your roster. And I can't do it, let alone trade up to get the guy that like a lot of people have looked at. I can't do it unless it's later in the draft and Miami retains their picks that they have right now. Yeah. So two is third on my board overall, but I, I, I'll preface that by saying that it's a very far drop off from Joe Burrow and Chase Young. And I, I'd go as far as saying uh, between three and 13, there's not a lot separating the players from me. And two is I put two at the top because he plays quarterback and you get him in the league and you protect him well. And he starts to show some of those uh, special IQ traits that he showed at Alabama. Then that's something that can legitimately turn the franchise around and put the Dolphins at a championship level quicker than anything else that can be done. But Jeff Okuda is, would be fourth on mine, and, and, and he's a fantastic player too. So looking at him the last two years, 76 touchdowns, nine interceptions. So from a touchdown-interception ratio standpoint, uh, just a just a f- unbelievable production, and, and every bit the production from touchdown and interception that Joe Burrow had. But Joe Burrow threw for far more yards there, and, and obviously has has bigger size, has better size as well. So, Paul, after we get past Burrow and we get past Tua, Jordan Love is the wild card in all this, really in the entire draft, because you know I, I have a hard time. I move this guy around on my Dolphins board from five down to eight, down to 20, down to out of it, to back up to five again. I mean, somebody with a lot of talent, that's for sure. But 20 interceptions, 17 touchdowns here this past year. After Burrow and a very, very long drop-off for you down to Tua with the medicals, is Love your third guy in the uh, quarterback in the draft right now for the Dolphins? I can answer that pretty simply. No, but not for the reason that you think. 
when I say this. He's my second quarterback right now. And it's I've got him and Tua both in, in, in the 20s, really, on my big board. But Love has snuck ahead of Tua because of the upside for Love and the injury worries I have and concerns with Tua and the durability concerns. I like the upside of Love. I do think he needs some coaching. I need, think there's a few things he needs to do to get things right. But right now, I actually have him as my second quarterback on my on my board ahead of Tua. And, and it's literally not a talent thing. It's a durability thing. It's, sure. I, I like the upside of Love, and I think he's going to be able to play in this league for 10, 15 years. I don't see that with Tua right now. This, and I can completely understand that. Um, and I, on my Dolphins board, I'm going to have Love at about number nine right now and Tua at three. But more of because the, of the importance of the quarterback position and because if you buy – in this draft, if you've got five first-round quarterbacks and three to four of them go in the top 15, which I think they will because the quarterbacks I think are going to gravitate up, and you don't come away with one, I I don't know about that. I mean, that's, that's going to be a tough pill to swallow um, for that. I mean, Jordan Love – when I look at him, the traits are certainly there. And his stock is very similar to Pat Mahomes a couple of years ago. And back in uh, 2018, his film was a lot better, but it's not a surprise because in 2019, he lost nine of 11 starters uh, along his group. And if you watch the games closely in 2019, the LSU game is a big example of that. I mean, it was at the end of the first quarter, it was a game we were expecting uh, Jordan Love and Joe Burrow to be dueling in. Obviously, Burrow trounced him with the rest of his team. But at the end of the first quarter, it's 7-3 to LSU. And Jordan Love throws a beautiful 40-yard pass that, that the Utah State receiver brings down with one hand. A lot of people have seen that. And then on the next play, dropped pass. Then on the next play, dropped touchdown, where it could have been 10-7 Utah State at the end of the first quarter. And – if you look through Jordan Love's games, you see a lot of games like that. So the tools are there, but he's not somebody who makes the greatest decisions on the field, turns the ball over a lot. But as far as I'm concerned, when I see Love, and I saw him this past year, the reason he went from, what, six or seven interceptions in 2018 up to 17 in 2019 is because at a certain point throughout the game, I, I saw something switch with him where he's like, you know what, screw it, we're going to lose anyway. I'm just going to start slinging it in there, and then it would cause even more problems. So I don't think yeah, he's going to be dealing I, with that in the NFL. I don't either, and I'm glad you brought that up with Love because I had an exchange with CK about it, and I think we were both on the same page. And, and for those that are listening, I, I'm sure you're familiar with CK Parrott, but if not, give him a follow. The guy's an awesome guy. We've had him on the show a number of times. He usually has great breakdowns on things, even if you don't agree with him. For me – Love is the opposite of everything, Herbert, and I say this in a good way when I say it. Love threw so many balls that should have been caught that weren't where a defender could get the ball, and his receivers just let him down. And, yeah, he started pressing as the games went on. His interception totals went up. But there's a reason for that, and I think it's the the talent around him. And you look at Justin Herbert, who I know I'm talking about a little early, is – last on my top seven quarterback list. Justin Herbert threw so many balls that shouldn't have been caught, that should have been interceptions and weren't. 
that that's why he is so far down my list, even though I've seen him going in the top five on a lot of uh, mock drafts out there. I just, I think the product of the talent around them has skewed Justin Herbert and love so much for a lot of folks when really it's not them. It's the talent around them that has made them look a little better or a little bit worse than people would expect. So, so Herbert, you're, you're, you have Herbert below Jalen Hurts. Yes, I do. Wow. Well, I, I don't want him at all, but I put him on here. <laughs> hey, 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 look, I, 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 fair enough. I mean, I've got Herbert fifth behind Jacob Eason. And uh, yeah, well, I think where we disagree a little bit on Herbert is I think he makes bad decisions. I don't think he's an interception prone quarterback. And I think he's going to be. I mean, that's that, that to me is a far leap because I, when I watch his game, I see a lot of mistakes and I see a lot of those mistakes built around him being so risk adverse on a down to down basis where I, but in the last couple of games in his career, he started forcing the ball in there a little bit more. And that's where you saw a lot of dropped interceptions. So I can understand where you'd make that projection um, throughout the rest of his college career. Um, didn't throw a lot of interceptions. And the problem I have with him too, is that this past year, according to PFF, second among all college football quarterbacks in the yards got off screen passes. And there's nothing, nothing wrong with the screen pass, but if we're judging this guy based on an evaluation, I, I, I want to see him seeing the field quickly, drilling the ball in there. He had, he had a very good week at senior bowl. Good for him on that. But I, to me, not enough to raise things up. Furthermore, when you look at the hire of Chan Gailey, it would really make no sense because this is an offensive coordinator who works almost exclusively with mobile quarterbacks. Justin Herbert had one of the best offensive lines in college football, too. And unless the Dolphins can land uh, you know, two or three Pro Bowl offensive linemen in free agency, I, I don't see them making that quick turnaround on the line. So he's already starting his career with the Dolphins not as well protected as he was at Oregon. And we saw the energy and the pocket mobility of Ryan Fitzpatrick this past year. Herbert brings none of that. He doesn't bring the pocket mobility. And Todd McShay, I was listening to his podcast the other day, and he said that that um, Justin Herbert is, one, is probably the most introverted, quietest quarterback he's ever been around. This has got some guy who stays off social media. He doesn't listen to criticism, which is, for me, I respect that part of him. But I, I can't see them going from, yeah, Fitzpatrick, that's the type of quarterback, personality-wise, we want, to Justin Herbert, who is completely the opposite in that regard. But, Paul, if Herbert is not uh, fourth on your list, uh, is, is Jacob Eason that guy? He is. I really like the upside of Eason. I, I think he's somebody that can come in. And, and I'm going to preface this as well with a comment I was going to say for the end of the, the show, but I'm going to put out there. I know everybody wants to absolutely hate Josh Rosen at this point in time, or a lot of folks do. But Josh Rosen is still a talent and as far as I'm concerned, after Joe Burrow, everybody on this list has as many question marks for me as Josh Rosen does. So it's I would have to think long and hard at each and every draft pick whether or not I wanted to overspend 
based on the fact that a player is a quarterback, when I also have Josh Rosen in house, who by all accounts showed some positive progress last season while he was riding the bench um, behind Fitzpatrick. I so w- I, I would need to think long and hard. I, I wonder what Jan Gailey is going to think of Rosen because he, he doesn't bring that same mobility, but yeah, he's, I mean, I, if, if you factor in Tua's medicals that much and, and mm-hmm. everybody should be, then yeah, I, 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 I don't necessarily disagree with, with uh, between Jordan Love and, Tua and and Herbert and Jacob Eason, how many balls are up in the air for them for for you to look in house and say, you know what, maybe Josh Rosen is the is the quarterback we just want to develop the same guy who was drafted tenth overall uh, just a couple of years ago and is only twenty three yep. years old. So uh, yeah, I could see that being an option too. The other part of me thinks this is that if you're picking fifth overall after all this and you don't come away with the quarterback a lot of things would have had to fall out of place to do that. So there's what I think the Dolphins should do and what I think the Dolphins are going to do. And I don't think they're getting out of this first round without a quarterback. I'm torn because it all depends on what 31 other ball clubs do. If Miami doesn't go up and get Burrow, I don't want a quarterback at five from, from everybody else on this list. Miami wants to move back, and a guy is there that fits, that they believe in, I'm a lot more on board with that. And I wouldn't be as shocked as some people if Miami does not take a quarterback at five just to take a quarterback. Uh, I'm sorry. It's, I think if at 18 or 26, or if they make a trade with the Raiders for their two first-rounders to fall back, then Miami takes a quarterback with one of those teens picks uh, – I wouldn't be as shocked, but it's, I'd be very surprised at this moment in time when we're recording this here at the beginning of February, if Miami takes a quarterback at number five, that's not Joe Burrow with a gas mask. I would be very surprised if the dolphins don't come out of the top five without a quarterback. And to me at this point, it would have to be something with Tua where uh, we get to March or we get to April and he can't, he can't walk yet. Then it'd be like, okay, okay, something's clearly wrong here because the positive energy is going in both directions. And if it, the dolphins almost have to have the responsibility uh, as we get closer to draft it, if they're not going to take two Oh, to, uh, to start sending out some smoke screen or to start sending out some signals that they're not going to do that. Because <clears throat> I, I mean, Every every news report and everything we hear that's coming out right now has the Dolphins linked to Tua. And, and I think that uh, – I don't know who said it. I don't know if it was Adam Beasley or Barry Jackson or who it was. But at, at this point, the, it's either the worst-kept secret in the NFL that the Dolphins want Tua or it's the best smokescreen. And, and I don't think they're going to put up a smokescreen for two years. I don't think Miami – really is put the smoke screen up. That's the thing. It, it's this is a smoke screen that's been thrown out there and by all accounts if I'm if I'm the Dolphins and there's somebody I'm absolutely in love with and the media starts this huge snowball rolling and and flowing, you know, uh, up until 
halfway through the season, everybody thought that they were losing games on purpose for this guy. That's how bad this smoke screen is. And Miami's not been losing games on purpose. Yeah, they gutted the roster to rebuild for the long term, which is what they came out and said all along. But if the media wants to put this smoke screen out and everybody's buying into it on their behalf, let them. Don't comment. That's that's like the best thing ever. You you didn't have to do anything, and it feels like everybody got into your diary when they really didn't and is putting out there that you want this, you want that, and you're putting the panic out there for San Diego to trade up ahead of you and maybe knock a Jeff Okuda or a Chase Young down to you within striking distance. Yes, please, all day. Yeah, that's certainly another way to look at it. And I believe that when they – Hire Chan Gailey. Part of what was mixed in there is we're either taking two at five or we're taking another quarterback. That that's that's the way I look at it now. Um, it's not to say that's what I would do, but I think that's how the Dolphins are going to end up looking at it. So time will tell because we're going to know in the next year, uh, two months. But circling back on Jacob Eason, and, and I'm with you too on on this is when we start getting down to, I mean, your cutoff point is is that is after Joe Burrow. My cutoff point is after is after three with uh, Joe Burrow, Tua, and Jordan Love. At that point, I I don't want Herbert, and I don't want Jacob Eason. I mean, Jacob Eason, though, is is somebody I look at as kind of a lesser version of Matt Stafford, where it, he certainly has a cannon for an arm, and, and the ball can can be you, you watch some of these wild throws from him, and, and they're fantastic, but. He's somebody that I, I, I don't think feels the game a whole heck of a lot right now. He's only really had one season at Washington after transferring from Georgia, after losing out from Jake Fromm and from uh, Justin Fields. Um, so, you know, I, I I think Eason could go anywhere from mid-first round to really to the third round. But I, I wouldn't really see the point of the Dolphins having Jacob Easton and Josh Rosen as developmental quarterbacks on the same roster, and you're not sure if either of them is the answer. So I, I think Easton ends up going somewhere else um, throughout this draft process. Jake Fromm from Georgia is is somebody that some Dolphins fans really like, some that they want nothing to do with. I want nothing to do with Jake Fromm, frankly. I mean, I I think his his ceiling is Andy Dalton and. Or I'm not even going to say Kirk Cousins because I think Kirk Cousins was far more talented when it, than him when he came out of Michigan State. But I guess, Paul, my question to you, Jake Fromm, is he somebody you would consider in, let's say, the third or fourth round if the Dolphins are, are trying to double down a quarterback or provide competition for Josh Rosen and Ryan Fitzpatrick? I'll make this easier. I'm gonna break. I'm gonna break my 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 top seven here by the highest pick that I would use that Miami has. Uh, Burrow, I'd move up to get. Love, I'd be understanding of it at 18. Tua and Eason, I'd be understanding of it at 26. Hurts, I'd be willing to go with Miami's first second round pick. From second second round pick. Herbert, if for some reason he's sitting on the board in the third round, I'd think about it. And I, I loosely use the words think about it. That That's a better way to break it down, I think, because it, the, where I'm at is Burrow I trade up for, not as much as you, um, but I would certainly trade up. Uh, Tua I would 
right now, yes, absolutely take it five. I may get there with Jordan Love too, and I don't think you should play games at quarterback if if you're if you're sold on either Tua or Love. Um, then from that point, Justin Herbert or Jacob Eason, if either one are available at 56, which they won't be, especially Herbert, that's what I would consider him because you have no pressure on you whatsoever to perform. Um, but I do think Herbert ends up going in the top 15 picks. Um, Jake Fromm, I would not take until the fourth round. Jalen Hurts, I would not take till the fifth round. Um, Jalen Hurts is a talented quarterback, but I can't unsee what I saw at Alabama as well as the last two games for him at Oklahoma when he actually got outside the Big Ten and played some NFL-level competition. Hurts has the skill set, I mean, in a lot of different regards. He's, you know, six foot two, 220 pounds, great athlete at the quarterback spot, um, and he's actually powerful when he tucks the ball down and runs. So he's got a, he's got a different skill set. One thing he doesn't do he's he is allergic at this point in his career to stepping up in the pocket. Now it's quite possible that that changes when he gets to the NFL and he gets some NFL coaching. I don't think he has the instincts right now to play the quarterback position. So therefore, he falls into the developmental territory. The Dolphins are expected to have I think four picks between one thirty at the end of the fourth round and one. 70 by the end of the fifth round. If you're talking about Jalen Hurts in that area, I'm totally fine with it. Yeah, and I don't think a lot of these guys are going to last till the point that we would pick them. But, I mean, I'm going to use the example here of, you know, say you want to buy a Jeep, right? And I know this is going to sound goofy to a lot of folks, but say you want to buy a Jeep. you got to wait until one's in the right price range for you. You don't buy, you know, something with a different name that, this kind of crap and sit with it. If you want that particular car, it doesn't matter what color it is. It doesn't matter which model it is. That's the car you want. Wait until you can get it for the right price. That's my thing with the quarterback position. As much as I want a quarterback, I don't want to just take somebody because they're a quarterback beyond what their value is. And a little bit, sure, go up and get them if you believe in them. But if you don't, if you're not sure and you've got a this is my tap out point for this particular player and somebody else out there is willing to overpay for them at that point in time if you have a tap out point for those players that's not a player that you believe is is fully the answer and for me there's only one in this draft that I believe is fully the answer if they, if they can't go and get him I'm not sure what they do unless they mortgage things into next year to try to go all hands on deck and go after, you know, Lawrence or Fields. Yeah, and we could. And I can go down a rabbit hole there, but yeah, we we could. And I think it's important to differentiate what we think about the quarterback and going up to get this guy or that guy, and what the Dolphins think. Because I'm not saying, look, look, it is quite possible that Tua all along has been well. Hey, we've just let the media go and run with it. I mean, that's quite a, that's a possibility. I don't think it is, but it's a possibility. But if, if you've really been in love with Tua for the last year and, and that's really happened and you also feel that this hip, yeah, you know what? He's not going to be a factor for us in year one, but if he comes back in year two, year three, year three or year, year four, and he's the player we think he's going to be, he's our guy. And if that's the case, and then you don't want to go up from five to three, 
because, yeah, we can't part with a first or second round pick, even though we got this war chest to get the quarterback. That would be all, that would be confusing for me, the logic behind that from the team's perspective. So, yeah, it's I, I don't know. but and, and also, too, we might get here in March or April and two is not even walking yet. And we're like, okay, something's wrong here. At that point, I'll tell you this, I will take him completely off my board. If if there's any hiccup here in the next couple of months, 100%, I don't want to draft him at all. So we'll see if it gets to that point. I, I don't think it will. At, at this point, two is recovering quite nicely, but we'll see if that continues. So, Paul, is there anybody else at quarterback? Kind of the, the later round picks, the Brandon Dowdy range, that that stick out at you as, as somebody you want to have on in terms of developmental skills. There's a lot of guys. I think their long-term prospects are backup quarterback in the NFL, starting quarterback in the XFL uh, at the bottom end of the draft. There's one guy that intrigues me, and and what I'm going to do before I talk about him here is I'm going to take Gardner Minshew and use him as the benchmark for this. Now, Gardner Minshew's final year at Washington State, he threw for 70, 70% completion rate, just over 4,700 yards. He had 38 touchdowns to nine interceptions. His replacement at Washington State, so we're talking ran the same offense, same coordinators, same coaching staff, replaced Gardner Minshew, went and had a good game in the Senior Bowl, and really, to me, stood out more than Justin Herbert did. Anthony Gordon completed 72% of his passes this year for almost 1,000 yards more, for almost 5,600 yards, had 48 touchdowns to 16 interceptions. So, yeah, he had a higher interception total, but he threw 10 more touchdowns than Minshew, threw for almost 1,000 more yards, and completed a higher percentage of his passes and looked good in the senior bowl with, with a higher level of talent around him. I'd, I'd kick the tires on that with 14 draft picks to bring in, see if he's got anything, see if there's something there that that maybe can be developed or can contribute. And at worst, you had another talent, possibly talented quarterback, whether short or long term, to your roster with a guy that you can get in a fourth, fifth, sixth round. Yeah, and it, – it, with Anthony Gordon, the question becomes, learning there under Mike Leach, if he's going to have Gardner Minshew's uh, awareness coming into the NFL. Because, yeah, I mean, Gordon put up better stats. I, I think I think Minshew is a more physically talented, but both of them are still, you know, not under the umbrella of franchise-level quarterback. So, yeah, I mean, somebody who sees the field well and is accurate, they're in the late rounds. I, I have no problem with that if, if the if the Dolphins want to go down the developmental route for this reason or that reason. It, nobody really jumps out at me uh, in the rest of the draft here. I mean, I, after the first few, I think we've all got them ranked lower than we would take them, which that's that's the crux of the reason why it pushes Tua and Love up the Dolphins draft board more for me because I, I don't want any of these guys really after him all that much. But somebody in the later rounds uh, in that, that same – same area is somebody that was very good at East West Shrine, and that's uh, James Morgan from Florida International. I watched a couple of games from him. He certainly has the size and the arm strength profile, and if he went to, and played at East West Shrine game 
and, and took that up to another level. This could be a player that's rising a little bit more. I kind of want the big arm if we're talking about a late round type of prospect. Um, nobody else really jumps out for me. So, some other guys that'll be possibly drafted. Nate Stanley from Iowa looks like a a Mason Rudolph with worse feet. <laughs> that's that's scary at two four or excuse me six four two forty two. Cole McDonald from Hawaii came out early. I don't think he should have. Looks undersized, guides the ball, not much natural arm strength. I'd pass on him. Shea Patterson is somebody who looks like the, you know everyone's been talking about for years, but I think he ends up being an undrafted free agent. Went to Senior Bowl week, didn't raise any eyebrows on that. So, anything else to add to this show, Paul? We've we've covered a lot of different theories and a lot of different players here throughout the last gosh half hour, forty five minutes here. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you brought up Morgan because he was a guy that I had behind Anthony Gordon. If Anthony Gordon hadn't been out there, Morgan probably would have been my guy. So I'm glad you brought him up. But again, it's I I do see a little bit of a a gap between Gordon and and Morgan, and and that should tell you everything you need to know there. And for me, I know a lot of folks are going to hate the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm not even debating Tua over love at this point. I'm debating Tua over Eason. Whether he's walking, whether he's cutting, whether he's anything, for me, it's just a long-term durability issue with Tua. It's not a talent issue. It's not a leadership issue. I think the the two quarterbacks in this draft that have the intangibles, not just the on-the-field you know, statistical performance piece, are Tua and Burrow. But unfortunately, you know, Barring a catastrophic, unforeseen injury with with Joe Burrow, I don't see the possibility that he could end up, you know, with a limp at 25 that's permanent. Right now, there very realistically is that possibility that two is the greatest guy to be walking with a limp outside of the NFL uh, at at 25, with nothing else included for for hits from from here until he's 25. Well, right now under it, it's a it's under a 10% chance that it's anything he has is degenerative. But that doesn't mean that he's not going to get hurt along the way. I mean, if yeah. – and I, I accept the argument that over over two years the guy got hurt this much. When he gets to the NFL, it's going to be even worse. Uh, yeah. I, I could see that happening, and it's still something me at five I'm willing to roll the dice with because I think if you get Tua in here and – he is the player that he was and has been projected to be when he's on the field. That is one thing that can legit- legitimately turn your entire roster around. That will do it for our breakdown of the of our look at the quarterback spot as we approach the NFL draft. We're 11 weeks away. Some of this may change. Some of it may not. Obviously, it will change drastically if there are any hiccups with Tua's pro- progression here from a medical perspective. You can find Paul and I on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Brian Cat NFL. Paul is fanatic underscore pick. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the thin side. So, D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the thin side. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the thin side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.